Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott and these are in Green Bean. And I'm Angela Samoz and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. table. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of our Portuguese Table podcast. I'm Angela Samoz, and we I'm have Maria Lawton. <laughs> <laughs> There's the laughing again. We can't. Hey, I'm sorry, laughing. and I keep saying I've got to stop giggling. <laughs> I have to stop doing that. I know, and we are super excited to have uh, Chef Manuel Azevedo from California on the show oh, today. Welcome, Manuel. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. So, Manuel, why don't we just jump right in? You have had a restaurant in Sonoma, wine country, California, that is world famous and everybody wants to go there um, for over 20 years now. So how tell our reader, our readers, our listeners, <laughs> tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in the culinary arts and what made you open a restaurant in Sonoma? Well, my... Uh first job was, aside from mowing lawns and those kind of things and working around the yard, which every Portuguese kid has to do, or at least every Portuguese boy has to do, um, I, uh, my first job was as a dishwasher at a restaurant near our house. And um, I was 14 years old, 14 and a half or so. I lied about my age to get in and, and was washing dishes. And we went worked pretty well within a couple of years. They kind of moved me up to, to a lead cook. And I thought, oh, well, this is something I'm, I'm half good at. But my dream had always been to be a mechanic, so I went off and did that for a little while. And, and then, um, But I've always enjoyed cooking. My earliest uh, memories were cooking food for my little brother. I would you know, boil beans and fry eggs and, and milk, and, and all that. I learned how to not boil milk properly, you know, to <laughs> make, sure it doesn't, make sure it doesn't scald, make sure it doesn't make a mess all over the stove. And mm-hmm. So uh, being, the oldest, being the oldest of four, uh, I, I kind of... I guess that was just something I grew into, just cooking or being around the kitchen. Of course, my mom would make everything from um, uh, items from the garden, and my dad was, uh, we were immigrants, so uh, we, my dad would bring home fresh milk and bring home beef, too. That was part of his compensation. And so we had fresh products, and all these, this talk about organic this and, and farm-to-table that, that's pretty much what we grew up with. It was, it's, it's trendy now, but that's, that's yeah. pretty much yeah. the way you know- I've always been. It, it, the thing is, is you you hit it on the on the dot there, Manuel, because it is exactly that. The thing about farm to table, yeah, we've lived it all our lives, and the thing with also the the term infusion or fusion cooking, heck, we've yeah. been doing that since the beginning too. And they've just added that label. We've we, we've been cooking that way for forever. Now, when you say yeah. your mom and your dad were immigrants, where did they come from, hon? We immigrated from uh, St. George Island and the Azores. Um, I came when I was two years old. My brother was one, and that was back in 1968. And we came right here to Sonoma County, and uh, my dad was a milker. My mom raised the family, and uh, and that's pretty much where I stayed. It, it, now it's more vineyards than it is cows, but which is fine for me. But that's pretty much where where we settled, and and I'm glad we did because now it's Sonoma County and this region, the wine country area, has become 
a mecca for foodies and wineies and anybody who goes into, you know, the wine country living. So I'm just thrilled to be part of it. I think I went off track when I was talking about milk and... and <laughs> That's okay. And, That's you know, okay. I brothers. love it. Part yeah. of the background. But, but, um, but anyhow, that was my first experience cooking was in that, that one restaurant. And I went off doing other things, being a mechanic and this and that. And then when I was 27 or thereabouts, I uh, really didn't didn't know what I wanted to do completely. I didn't. I decided I didn't want to be a mechanic early on, and and I was uh, dating my now wife, and she pretty much gave me an ultimatum. She says, "Hey, you need to get it together. Or I'm moving on." So, so <laughs> I I said, "Okay, what is it that I love to do, and that I would probably do for free?" And I thought, you know what, I'm going to get back into cooking, and I'm going to be a chef because it's something that I would do with passion as opposed to out of obligation. And I'll try to make a living at it because it'll make it a lot easier to go to work if I like what I do. And I decided to uh, to work at the best restaurant at the time here in the Sonoma County. And I started off cleaning the bathrooms on Saturdays and and uh, bussing uh, bussing tables. I was 27, so I was a little late bloomer for all this. But the chef was <laughs> an old Swiss. He was an old Swiss chef and uh, really a hard nosed old school guy. And I learned a lot uh, from him. And uh, and he knew that. He saw that I was dedicated because I was doing, you know, pretty menial jobs, but but that I wanted to get into the kitchen. So after about six months, he let me in, and then I worked my way there for I worked there for five years, worked wow. my way into sous chef, and mm-hmm. I was going to go to culinary school. And um, he, he taught at culinary school at the time was in San Francisco, and he said, you know, save your money. I'll teach you what what I can. I've, I've seen a lot of these culinary kids come through and. It's it, you. You can learn a lot on your own. And at the time, at the age I was too, I thought, you know, I'm going to try that route. It's going to be less expensive. And I was always prone to wanting to learn on my own. So I, uh, I, I leading up to that, I had quite a few cookbooks and so on. But I then I took I took it very seriously. I worked at the restaurant most of the day. Then I did catering at night, so I could build the stamina for owning my own restaurant. So it was wow. good 12 hour days and so on. Wow. And then on my time off, I would use my home kitchen as my test kitchen and I would study and and read the books that I purchased and and so on so it was about five years of intense uh, dedication to learning how to do this in a, in a real way and then I just opened up La Salette in uh, in in 98 and that and ironically coincidentally it was the exact same spot that I started as a dishwasher many years really before. oh wow yeah, so it was yeah, so we're we're it started off very humbly. It was a mom and pop situation. We've got a great team. We tried to define what it was, what style of food we were doing, and um, what what was interesting at the time is I really didn't know that much about real Portuguese food because I, my mom was a good cook, but it was just the home style dishes, and I wanted to represent myself as a Portuguese mm-hmm. restaurant, you know, and and that. But on the other hand. I didn't feel that confident with that. And because of my training and my experience with uh, with cooking, I really didn't feel overly confident doing California cuisine or, or and so on. So I decided it, cleverly or insanely to create my own cuisine. And that, <laughs> that's what we call Cuisina Nova Portuguesa. Which oh, is, is um, that it? Okay. Yeah. And what it is, it's a way uh, – the the reason I came up with that term is that it, since it's my own cuisine in my own head, no one can say it's done wrong. <laughs> so, nice. Nice. 
<laughs> so it's done. It's done correctly. It's not really Portuguese because that's not really what I wanted to do, and even felt completely comfortable doing at the time. And it's not really California cuisine because I didn't really wasn't overly interested in it for one thing because it yeah. really didn't bring out the passion in me. But it was just not something I was overly confident with either. So I created something that that I felt I could really get behind. And then that's pretty much been our tagline and our motto, even for the, our cookbook, uh, is Cuisine Nova Portuguesa. Yes. And yes. so that's how that, uh, that's how the menu and the restaurant concept evolved. And, and uh, yeah, and then the, the cookbook then was a natural progression from the restaurant because it was a way to explain. And over the years, over the, we've been in business uh, about 18 years, the April Fool's Day, coincidentally, will be 18 <laughs> years for us. And uh, which is appropriate for this business. And uh, we, we, um, over the years, I was able to define the cuisine better. And essentially, it's the the flavorings and the heart is in Portuguese flavors, traditional Portuguese flavors of the mainland and, and its colonies, former colonies. But yeah. it's the idea is that you use whatever's around you. If you could yes. be in the Midwest, you could be in California, you can be in the East. It doesn't matter. I, in my my view, uh, as you mentioned earlier when we first started talking, is that uh, Portuguese cuisine has been adapted since its very beginning, and uh, right. and and so it's a very appropriate progression, I think. Well, you know, I love hearing you speak with so much passion for what you do, and that in itself is the most. I think it's important in all that we do. And I think as being Portuguese and when we're passionate about something, we do our best in it. And uh, truly you have, mm -hmm. which is wonderful. We're so proud of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It, sure, it makes it a lot easier to get yeah. up in the morning. This business yeah. is, this business is brutal uh, to be in, to be in the restaurant business for, um, to be in the rest. I've been doing it for over 25 years, but my own place for, uh, for 18 years, it's a tough business. And and, yeah. and, the, and most folks, unless they've been in it, don't know because as restaurateurs, our job is to is to is to make sure you, when you come and dine with us, that everything's perfect for you. But behind the scenes, it has its moments, and it's oh, uh, absolutely it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. And yeah. and it takes that kind of passion that you pointed out that I yeah. I think I have, right. you know, and then others do. No, and um, love for the love for the culture and to, right. to see it through. I'm going to share something that doesn't even come close to what you're talking about. But when I, my first job, now I'm an old lady, I'm older than you, Manuel. And oh. I, my first <laughs> job was as a salad girl in a family owned, my two sisters married two brothers. And we Ooh. kind of like went into like the the Pimental family became our family. So everybody was like one big happy family. And the Pimental family had opened a restaurant called the Portuguese Shanty here in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And I was their first salad girl when they opened up. And I think I was 12, 11 or 12. Wow. So obviously the codes out there, no, there was no one checking out my age, but I, <laughs> I was in the back. And when I needed to peel stuff, I would peel things for, I mean, like I did the, mm -hmm. I was the salad girl, but that right. business, I saw that in growing up until I was in my, I think until my thirties, they had the, um, the restaurant and they were burnt out. They, yeah. they did it. They did it for many years. They expanded it. They, it was, it's 24 seven. It's seven days a yeah. week and it takes a toll on 
uh, yourself. It takes a toll on the family. And, and that's if and that's with also the family being involved in it and being supportive of it. Right. But it is a hard job. And for people to say, oh, I can open a restaurant. You have no idea mm-hmm. what it goes yeah. into opening one. And it is hard. Yeah. It is very hard. Yeah. It's very, it's, it can be, you know, as you found out too, it can be very rewarding. And I, there, there are, as well, there are times when, um, when I see somebody that I hired on as a busser and see how they've progressed and they've, you know, they bought their first car, they, they married, right. they, 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 they had their first kid and, and you're able to be part of, of their lives. It's, a, you know, there are moments when it's really, really uh, special. It's just someone last Valentine's Day proposed at our restaurant and just to be part of something, <laughs> to be part of something that important is, is it, it has, you know, it really keeps you going. One yeah. thing I've done to sustain myself is I don't, I haven't just, uh, La Salette's always been my baby, but I'm, I ventured off in other things here and there where the cookbook was a project that I ventured off in because you do need to divert yourself a little. Otherwise, uh, you know, like you said, it it, it can eat you up. But um, so I did, I did the the cookbook and then we opened up three years ago, we opened up uh, Cafe Lucia in Healdsburg. I opened that up with my sister and uh, it's, it's a very similar to La Salette in concept and it's in a little town, just like Sonoma, a little wine country, Quaid town. So that's been a nice project. And then lately, uh, I'm, I'm in the process of opening up a little tapas restaurant here in Sonoma as well, just a, a block away from our from a La Salette. It's a very casual Tashka type of a, of a, of a concept. Mm-hmm. So those things keep me from going too crazy, too. There's always <laughs> something new to play with. Now, is Tashka Tashka opened now or is going to open? It's going to open very soon. We're looking at okay. the next month and a half or so, month, month and a half. Oh, awesome. So that means when I go and visit California, hopefully this fall, I'll be able to see it. Yep. You'll be able awesome. to see, yeah, the, the, there's the three restaurants here in the, in the, in the wine country. And then there's a couple new ones by then. There'll be another new one in, uh, in San, uh, San Francisco, uh, a chef oh, friend of mine, Antelmo right. Faria, he's opening up a place there. And then, yep. um, there's an, a new restaurant just opened a few months ago, uh, uh, Adega in San Jose, and the re- the reason I mention those places is I'm a, as thrilled as anybody who's Portuguese should be that there's finally some some more Portuguese restaurants in in California. It's it's mm-hmm. been sad that until recently we have such a huge population in California, and and up until recently I own 50 percent of the restaurants Portuguese is restaurants. It, you know that you blows know? me away. That for that same thing that you just said, I mean, obviously I live in New England and so I'm close to New Bedford, I'm close to Fall River, I'm close to Providence. I mean, anywhere I go in the area, I have so many Portuguese restaurants and and markets and all of those things. But I know Mm -hmm. that in California, you have just as many people out there uh, that are Portuguese. We have more actually. Exactly. So when (laughs) I hear, when I hear that it isn't as like, what do you mean there's only so many restaurants? What do you mean there isn't one in, in San Francisco? Well, it, it just, it blows me away that we're not doing more out there, that our presence isn't even, is bigger than what it what it is. Yeah, certainly culinarily speaking, yeah. I mean, we're, I think it may have to do with the time that many of us immigrated out here. It may have to do with the the demographic of those of us that immigrated out here. A lot of us were farmers and went into the Central Valley, dairymen and very close-knit to our little communities and so on. Uh, out there, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the immigration started 
a lot longer. I mean, hell, since colonial days, probably there's fishermen and so on. I don't know. Right that for the whaling, the, the whaling industry. Yeah. Yep. Right. So there's just a different. It's a different thing out there. Which and here I, it's changing. A lot of the second, third generation Portuguese are seeking out. You know, these are people that have high tech jobs that have uh, they're, that they've had. You know, that have traveled the world a bit, and now they're saying, hey, you know, I want to take my friends out to a Portuguese restaurant, but there's nothing. And now those folks are helping to bring to bring forth this this uh, this surge of Portuguese restaurants, which is long overdue. And um, you know, when we first opened, it was it was it was hard because uh, Sonoma was there was a lot of folks that traveled a, a bit, but there were mostly Italian restaurants and Italian folks living here. No one knew what Portuguese food was. Mm-hmm. I was only able to none of the wine vendors had any Portuguese wines. I could only buy two Portuguese wines, I think. Wow. Um, to put on my list initially. No, it was really, it was a bit of a stretch. And, and, you know, but it's been nice to see over the years how things have, have evolved. And you've seen a lot of younger people from all over uh, the Bay Area coming up to, to see us now, which is great, have supported us all this time. That's yeah, you know, One thing that, uh, even though we didn't have a lot of restaurants, bakeries tended to be not, I don't want to say in, in mass, but we certainly had more bakeries than we did restaurants. And maybe that's because people cooked more at home, but chose to buy their bread and pastries other places, maybe because they take longer to make. But that is one thing that, you know, throughout the Valley, whether you're in Turlock or Tulare or um, Modesto, there were quite a few more bakeries. But, but again, up in Sonoma, where you were, or where you are, Manuel, I don't know that there was a bakery up there, was there? There's a Nine Islands Bakery. Oh, uh, that's over right. In yeah. Run, run, run that's Park. Right. Yeah. No, they that's do a great right. job, and we get all of our sweet bread for our festas from those guys. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it. Uh, you're right. I, I think. You, but even back in Portugal, you, the bread was delivered, or or you'd go to the yeah. bakery to pick up fresh bread. Oh, so they, I think they're, they're delivered. Not... They're delivered door to door. It's an amazing <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. uh, you yeah. touched a little bit about being able to be a part of people's families, the people that work for you, and uh, even like you mentioned, Antelmo Fudia worked for you. And now he's going to be opening up his his own restaurant. And La Salette, the name of your restaurant, is your mother's name. So it's like family is yeah, part I... of the DNA of your restaurant, right? And and I know that the rolls that you serve at the restaurant is your mother's recipe for rolls. I mean, I had never had those, that type of roll, but it was your mother's recipe. So it seems like the family right. DNA is really baked into the whole concept of what you've got going there. Yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah. To this day, I, my, I know I've always said I'm a shameless mama's boy. My, my mom <laughs> has been, my mom has been, uh, of course, a, a big, obviously a big part of my life, but she's been very supportive of, of, of the restaurants and, and so on. It's, it's a beautiful name, and but but you know, since we're being honest, part of the reason I chose that name too was when I first opened La Salette, I said I mentioned how I was a little insecure about myself going either full Portuguese or full uh, wine country cuisine, and the name was also a backup plan too. Even though it was uh, it was a, it, for some reason the Portuguese concept didn't fly, that I could. I could go French or I could go some, some other direction <laughs> right. with the Interesting. menu. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. see, because... it takes a very smart Portuguese man to think of that. So I love that. Thank <laughs> well, you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, but, it, you know, but it also, it, 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 it shows how scary it was at the time to do Portuguese because there's wow. no, if you think about it as a restaurateur, you think, okay, I'm going to do Portuguese food in a place where there's no Portuguese and a mm-hmm. place where very few people know what Portuguese food is. 
and in a state where there's probably only two other Portuguese restaurants in all of the state. Yeah. And you, you know, you, you just, it, so I had to kind of uh, uh, be careful. So that was one of my backup plans. But thankfully, yeah. it took off and, uh, and you know, folks uh, embraced it and, 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 and went from there, thank goodness. Now, I know Angela has all, we have all these like little set questions that we like to ask everyone that's on. But I just, I want to ask you this question now. Now, do you go back to Saint George a lot? Or do you visit? Do you have family there? And do you speak Portuguese? Yeah. If I put the words, my pleasure, ah. Mitch. If, oh, Mitch, uh, no, I, I no, I speak Portuguese. I I came well as best I can. The more wine I drink, the better I speak. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> of course, don't we all? Even if we have to make it up. Yeah. Right? No. So you right. still well, have because, family? You still have family there, then? Yeah. I'll, my mom's side of the family. Oh, sorry, my dad's side of the family is there. Those that are still among us are there. And then my, uh, I, I have cousins and, and, and folks there that I, that I see. Most of my mom's side immigrated in the uh, late 50s, early 60s into California, and that's how we made our way here. Uh, but, yeah, I go about once a year. I try to get out there, if not to the islands and to the mainland. I was just there for three weeks last year. This year, because we're opening up the new place, I probably won't. But next year, we'll do it again. And, and your children, how, I mean, I know you have a daughter. How My daughter knows she? that it is, uh, she's, uh, she's 14, going to 14 and a half now. Um, she's very passionate about being Portuguese. She, we took her to Desiree last year for the first time. And with my goal, personal goal was to have her fall in love with, with Portugal, yes. which she did. And, and oh. she just absolutely lo loved her little village. And she talks about going back all the time. She was, she's a ball little ballerina. So she's um, looking forward to, uh, spending some time, hopefully, dancing ballet in uh, in Lisbon someday. So we'll wow. see how it all plays out. But she has uh, big goals about dancing and and big goals about including her Portuguese uh, oh, culture. Oh, that's beautiful! And, so I love that. Congratulations for instilling that in her. That's right. Oh, uh, thank you. The only, where I failed is I was not able to teach her uh, Portuguese. I it, it's just was it's always been very hard for me to because I speak it somewhat but i know i don't speak it all that well i came when i was two and i i lost it over the years somewhat but um and and my mom i was a translator for my parents for many years but it still faded away so i, I unfortunately that's one thing i would not be able to still in her but the pride for being portuguese that uh she feels it just like i do yeah don't don't feel too bad because it's a, it's a hard thing to maintain especially living here in the states you know i know it a lot is. of yeah. i know a lot of folks that they only spoke Portuguese in the house and the kids would understand, but would always reply in English. And it, mm -hmm. you know, the parents would get really frustrated because they knew that they understood, but they just, you know, to maintain yeah. it is still, still really hard. But, um, yeah. no, that, that's incredible. And how, how cool would it be to go visit the town that you're named after? I know. Right. I love it. I love that it. The coolest thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so. Had a great time. Pulling from our little set list of questions here, we've talked about how your mom was a great cook and influenced your your love of cooking. Um, what is your food, first food memory? And it could be the first thing you remember eating. It could be the first thing you remember cooking. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I think the first thing I remember uh, cooking was uh, was pork and beans way back when I was a kid. Oops. And... Uh, and it, it, what I learned about it was how to was was that there's a technique to cooking it thoroughly, in that you know you I, I would 
put it into a pot and I would watch it start to bubble. But I, I learned that you have to, you can't just let it bubble around the edges and then serve it. It's still cold in the middle. So then I learned you have to stir it. And <laughs> stir then it. And we're, we're talking, I was very young. I mean, these days I'd probably, you know, arrested for letting my kid, you know, around <laughs> a, a stove like that. But, and, but then I learned, okay, so you stir it. And if you stir it, and then it starts bubbling right away after you stir it, then okay, it's hot enough, and then we can go. And and even though it's something that's not romantic, there's nothing special about it, it just, it, it was my, it's my earliest memory of of, an, of actually doing something that would be called a cooking process, where you're mm-hmm. you're seeing something from, you know, a can in that case, but all the way through until cooking it through properly and then serving it up in a bowl. And so that would be my earliest one. I think beyond that, it was, as I mentioned earlier, I used to warm up milk, um, for my uh, for my little brother, um, my mom would have me do that. And and as far as actual food, the thing with food, apparently I was a finicky eater when I was a kid, which I have a hard time believing, but my mom says it's true. And because uh, right now I'll, I'll, I enjoy just about everything. But um, I think I think one of my earliest, uh, I think what got me into this business is I. Really enjoyed dining out. We used to go to a, a smorgasbord here in Sonoma County when I was a kid, and and I just loved the seeing the wide variety of foods <laughs> and being able to go and just pick little bits here and there. And I think I fell in love with dining out with, with through that experience. And it was also something different than we had at home, which you know that that was exciting in itself. But right. and I think the reason I got into the restaurant business was mainly was not so much that I love to cook, which I do, and I love the whole team spirit of a, of a kitchen and a restaurant, but, yeah. but that I love dining out. And I sometimes joke that if, if I was a sex addict, I would open up a brothel, but I'm a oh, food addict, geez. so I open up a restaurant. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's good. I don't, I don't know if that's clean enough for radio, but. Oh, it is. This sure, is a podcast. We can say whatever we want. Whatever we want. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite? So, so you go out a lot. Do you have a favorite dish, whether it be Portuguese or otherwise? Mm. No, you know why? Because I eat based on the mood I'm in. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it, you know. If, if you ask me right now what I'm in a mood for, it might be some, you know, a piece of bacon and toast because it's morning here, and that's kind of what's calling out to me. In the middle of the day, it might be something else. You know, and so I. I, and my, my thing, and part of the reason I'm so excited about the new project we're doing, the Tosca Tosca restaurant, is that it's it's going to have a huge variety of small dishes, small plates that you can, you know, pick from. And I think my thing is, is is I think what I like most about dining is just having a variety. I, I can't really yeah. say, I can't really pick a, pick one item. I mean, if I go to if I go to the islands, the first thing I have to have is lapish. I have to have that. Really? If grilled? Go, grilled yeah. or raw? No, no, raw. I want to catch the ones trying to run off the plate. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With a little no, bit the... of lemon on top. No, oh, just sauce. red wine and maybe, maybe a little, a little bit of a uh, little garlic, a little fresh garlic, just to mm. bite on as you're eating them. Okay. No, but just red wine and lapis and a little bit of uh, boned meat, a little bit of uh, cornbread, and yeah. that, that might be something very Azorian, you know. But uh, it's something that I, I that I love when I'm there. And if I go to the mainland. I'll need to order a bacalao dish right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just depends. It's, yeah, that's not a good question for me because I don't have a good answer. It's, there's no <laughs> favorite. It depends, it depends on what mood I'm in. That, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, so well, what about if you are going to go to your mom's house and 
and she says, I'll make you whatever you want. What would you have her make you? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what she makes now? She started making it in the last 10 years. She makes a cozido. Oh. And it's, you know, most Portuguese homes make their version of it and so on. But it's um, it's with the, the pig's ears, pig's feet, sausage, yep. and sweet potato, mm-hmm. and couve, and the whole thing. And she makes, she's she's been making that really, really good for many years now. And that's that's. That would probably be what I'd ask her to do. In fact, I just took the other day. I I asked her if she wanted to make that up, and we'd invite some folks over to my house and and just make it up at my house and and do up a meal of it. But oh, I love that would be it. The good old fashioned cozida. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's the most simple things, right? Yeah. That now, are the best. Absolutely. Now, does your mom ever use the rice ball to put the rice in the cozida? Rice ball. See, everyone does it differently. We don't use rice. In the cuisine, I, I know we we used to have the sweet potatoes, the potatoes, the curves, the the pig's feet, all of that stuff, even the marsala, all of that. But uh, yeah, right. They, but she would also do rice, and it would be a round galvanized ball that you would open up, mm-hmm. and it almost looks like a large tea infuser, but it's larger. And okay. she would she would put the rice in there, and she would cook the rice in the uh in the boiled dinner so that the rice mm. took on all the flavor of the boiled oh dinner. My gosh. Sounds and then it was amazing. And then at the end when it was all done, you know how the house kind of stinks a cabbage from the, yeah, the, right, the right. cuisine? She would take a sprig of mint and put it in the rice ball so that the whole kitchen would smell yeah like um mint instead of cabbage huh. instead of cabbage wow. what a great yeah. idea yeah uh, no we never had the uh, it sounds like a recipe similar except for rice we didn't we didn't use rice but that that's a fun way to cook rice because all that broth it's a shame to do it is the most it amazing yeah. amazing yeah. rice because it tastes it takes all those yeah. flavors that are there yeah yeah it's really good yeah. amazing yeah. I had, speaking of cuisine, I had the pleasure of dining at Falcantu uh, in, in Lisbon last year when I was there. And they made, it was just two bites. It was a small little plate with two bites, and they had, I think, some pork belly. And it was amazing how they were able to encapsulate all the flavors of cuisine into just a little bit of broth and that one little piece of, uh, of pork uh, belly. bacon fat. Oh. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, but it oh, was, I love anyhow. pork belly. Mm. So, Manuel, you seem like a pretty adventurous eater if the first thing you want to eat is raw lapage when you get to the Azores. Is there anything you won't eat? Uh, I have not found anything yet that I won't eat. <laughs> really? I, 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 know there, I know there are things in the world that are pretty exotic that I haven't, you know. No, but this, it's just, it's, it's, I'm at a, I just love dining. I love eating. And uh, there's, I have not found anything yet that if it's cooked properly, meaning that it's not rotten or anything stupid like that, that I, that I will not eat. I, I love trying, I love trying everything. Um, so even and like, the more, and, and as, as much dining as I think I've done, I actually gravitate more toward the most unusual items. I'm one of those folks that goes to the restaurant. First thing I see or try to find, it's something that's really outside the norm. And then I gravitate to that first and then I'll work into it. I, I'm not the person that will go out to a restaurant and buy it steak for example or chicken when i can make it at home i'll find right. something that's more unique uh, a duck or a lamb or some other bizarre thing so you so dobrada or tripa or anything like that you're you're good with it yeah we serve it in all of our restaurants and mm-hmm. we're going to be serving it here 
at Tasca Tasca, we hope to serve uh, barnacles. We hope to serve. We're serving goat for sure. Um, we're going to. I've done periwinkles, which are little sea snails. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 as part of our concept for La Salette moving forward, we're moving part of the part of the small plates that we do at La Salette. We're moving into the new restaurant, uh, Tosca Tosca. So we're essentially splitting La Salette, not in half, but we're taking a portion of La Salette, moving it over to the new restaurant, and we're going to enhance the part of uh, a part of the menu at La Salette. We're going to bring on oh, cool. foie gras again. We're going to bring on uh, beef tongue. And uh, we have uh, some other items that we're very excited about that we're going to be putting on just to, to be a little unique. The tripe has been on since we, almost since we opened. And we're one really? of the few places that does it. Yeah, mm. it's a big hit. Yeah, it's it's an acquired thing. My, you know, it's funny. My parents would eat anything and they did eat everything. Yeah. And so you're saying um, calf tongue. It would be calf tongue and calf heart uh, that would be, you know, cooked together on some dish mm-hmm. that my parents would eat and all of that. And I just heard you say right. barnacles. And I actually like barnacles. I actually <laughs> like it a lot. It, it to me, yeah. when I first tasted it, uh, it tasted like lobster. Mm. That, yeah. That's my, when I go to some, when I go to San Miguel, um, I'll have the barnacles there. And when you go in, you go in, I mean, you go into those little things, and you get a little bit, but to me, it, it tastes just like lobster. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's my feeling yeah. on it. Even though it looks yeah, kind of weird good. and strange, it's delicious. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's fun. It's a way to have a little adventure, you know, mm. to, on your plate. <laughs> Some of us are not into it, but I'm all over it. Yeah, well, you're you're in a great spot, right? Because lots of foodies around and people like to experiment. So even if they'd never had it before or, you know, think, think it's strange, it's it's the cool thing to do, right? Like, let's, let's go try it, right? Um, yeah, and, and being near San Francisco, where so many cultures and foods converge, there's, um, there's we're so fortunate to have whatever we want available here. Yeah. And, and it's a lot of folks that folks are educated too by going to these other restaurants, and then they come out to the wine country and also seek out something unusual. We have a lot of Asian folks, for example, that come to La Salette, and I think it's because they, most of them from the city, they're used to unusual foods, and when you come to Sonoma. Sonoma, the town of Sonoma, you see a lot of Italian, you know, some of the French influence, that kind of thing. But they seek out, I think, because they're more educated in, in, in unique foods, they seek out, okay, what's the most unique restaurant here in Sonoma that we can try out? And they say, well, why not Portuguese? You know, those guys cook up yeah. some weird stuff sometimes. You know, and it's because we never put anything to waste. Right. Yeah. We would eat right. from what? tail what is it nose to tail i mean that's yeah literally you know nothing would go to waste so and i think those that culture the asian culture is the same way i mean they yeah. they eat what's in season yeah. and what they have and nothing goes to waste again another thing that has become a trend of late but it's it's the way we've done it all along you know nothing goes to waste yeah so when it comes to holidays how you know so there are some very traditional dishes that you always make on Christmas Eve or that you make for Easter, things like that. So at, like, for example, at Christmas, both you and your mother are fabulous cooks. How do you, how do you split up the responsibilities for cooking? And what is your, what does your table look like? Do you have some traditional things and then some also cozinha nova, portuguesa things? What does your, what does your table look like? Hmm. 
You know, again, it's not going to be a very glamorous answer. It's, you know, we, we, I, I, the, the, the Portuguese, I think, or at least it seems to me out this way, we're, we're really expert at assimilating into our culture or into, into the environment yes, okay. that we're in. And I think that's through our, through our ability to, to our history of exploring or, or who knows. But we, our, our, uh, Christmas table looks very similar to probably a typical American table we have uh, we you know i know some folks do bucket out that kind of thing we do turkey we do my mom makes the awesome stuffing with uh uh with linguisa uh, and we have it all break broken down my 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 sister does the salads and and my mom does the stuffing i usually do the turkey i mean christmas for example we do all this but it's at my sister's house thanksgiving is my day we do it at my house i i smoke uh, turkey i don't do it the traditional way i like to smoke it slowly the i think the thing that we do that's that's perhaps more unique would be New Year's Day. Uh, New Year's Day is our day to do something. Uh, and one day, probably the day, one of the days I look most forward to. We do. We the Dungeness crab is always in season, except for this year, which is weird. But generally, we can get plenty of Dungeness crab. We make a huge Dungeness crab stew. It's my mom's recipe. It's with um, paprika and a little bit of uh, chili flakes, red wine, parsley onion, garlic, all the goodies. And, mm. uh, and then we serve that with, with uh, bread and uh, some pasta with some George cheese on top. Oh, yum. garlic bread. And it, I, that's one of my favorite things, I guess. Uh, in, in the, and that's, that's probably the, what would be our only unique and very Azevedo family um, dish that we do for the holidays, New Year's Day. Nice. Yeah, that sounds that. amazing. So you shred the yeah, George cheese like it was Parmesan or something? Yeah, I, I would we make pasta, penne pasta. Yeah, mm. no, I, I, frankly, we we use uh, we've used some George cheese since we opened, uh, and I've used it. I use it on our Caesar salad back when we used to have a Caesar salad on the menu. Yeah, I've, no. I've, I've, I've I mixed it with uh, mayonnaise and uh, parsley and use it as a, a little bit of a God, I don't even know what you call now, it. Kind of a little, it kind of. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, what month? How many months do you like your cheese? Do you like the two month? Four month or seventh? I like it with more bite, so I go for the, the older, seventh. Older cheese. Mm, okay. yeah, so yeah. I learned something yeah. again. Every podcast, I learned something new, Maria. I didn't even know that there were oh, different ages. Different, oh, yeah. The <laughs> younger, the butterier and creamier it is. Okay. And less uh, sharp. And the older, which is the seven month. But by yeah. the time you get them from there, it might be nine months by the time. So it's yeah. it tends to be sharper. So, okay. yeah. And, and smell uh, Angel, you... you Angela, you know why we don't know so much out here in, 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 in the West is because we often don't have a choice. In the it's East true. Coast, it's very they, true. In the, East, in the East Coast, they've always had more access to more products. I mean, wines have been available. Portuguese wines have been available for forever out there yep. on, on, a, on a larger scale. Like yep. I said, only 18 years ago, I could only find two vendors and two bottles of wine that were decent Spe to sell at of, the restaurant. Speaking of wine, yesterday, for the first time ever, I was able to buy wine from the island of Pico, Ooh. which is to me because Pico makes such a small amount of wine. And for the, all these years, they weren't able to sell uh, the wine here. Or if they did, it was like very limited amount or whatever it was. And uh, mm -hmm. yesterday I went to one of the markets that every time I go there, I'd say, do you, do you have wine from Pico? Do you have wine from Pico? And they finally called me and they said, we got these two whites 
We don't have reds right now, but we have two whites. So I ran yeah. to that store because it's <laughs> it's like for us, it's like gold. You can't get Pico yeah. wine. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it's not everything that we have. I'm very yeah. lucky in what I can get, but I wish we could get more. And I just yeah. heard a horrible news yesterday from the, the guy from the market that said, whereas before the Portuguese government was kind of um, giving a subsidy so that things that were from Portugal and, and from the Azores, the shipping coming here, they would cut a deal on it. They've stopped doing that. So mm. now they're making the person who wants it to pay for all of the shipping which would make the products here in the United States double in price. So, Ooh, it, yeah. So I hope they change that really quickly and uh, it goes back to the way it was because. Yeah. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the businesses back home. I mean, if, you know, if, if the cheese becomes more expensive. Yeah. Then, I mean, our little, our little island of St. George relies on the cheese. Export, Absolutely. So that, Absolutely. It's going to be pretty, pretty rough. Yes. Yeah, too bad. I just heard that well, yesterday. Maybe we can, you know, market it as a delicacy. And so, you know, the more expensive things are, the more people want them. All we right. Can, <laughs> we can try. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like the well, way you think, I, Angela. It, it, you yeah. know, it won't, gotta, keep me, it won't keep it won't keep me from supporting them, but it's just, uh, but it, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Has to go out. So, so Manuel, your cookbook was beautifully done. It was it's uh, gorgeous. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous right. book, and, and the photography that um, uh, and I remember his last name is Bagulio, but I forget his first name. Enrique. Uh, Enrique. Yeah. Yes, yes, he did a great job with the photography. But I have to say, so I'm uh, one of the things that we talk about here on the podcast is that you know Maria is a chef or a cook, and she's got I'm a, a cook. cookbook. I'm a cook. I'm I'm what you would consider kind of a novice cook. So, certainly not a foodie. I, I cook well in my own home, but you know, there's a lot I don't know about cooking. So we have a sort of an expert, and then you've got your novice here. And so when I look at your cookbook, I, it's beautiful, and I something that I may aspire to someday. But I'm I'm kind of intimidated <laughs> by the recipes, right? They're a little they're a little complicated. So if if someone like me is starting to cook Portuguese for the first time, what dish would you recommend? Whether it was from your book cookbook to get started, or just like Here's here's a good yeah. starter recipe if you want to get started cooking Portuguese. Well, my my book is is set up a little unusually, and um, it's one of those things that I, I had to just and I, we never we we had to self publish because publishers wouldn't pick it up because it was set up so strangely. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to write the book in a way that a young chef or somebody who wanted to get a, a, an idea of what Portuguese food is to me could mm -hmm. start off in kind of a systematic way. And the okay. first part of the book, it just talks about the key ingredients that are used. Yeah, I love um, that, actually. I love that, yeah. like, your spice yeah, and, it, and Yeah. So, so those are really, and, and because the whole idea of the book, and I say it early on, is that even if you don't follow a single recipe in the book, if you just look at the first part and you make some of those key flavorings and ingredients, and mix it with some other Portuguese items like linguiça or prosciutto or or some São George cheese. You can already you can create your own cuisine nova portuguesa. Meaning that if, like I said before, if you're in the Midwest or you're in Florida and you just look around, what, what's 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 great at the market? Bring that home and start making your own Portuguese food based on the key flavorings, which to me are uh, I have that Portuguese spice blend, which I've already 
makes it easier because I've already created a blend of spices that, that work really well, and and so on. I, there's a sublada that we do, which is a, a, a caramelized or kind of a softened, uh, slow-cooked onion that you can use in a multitude of different ways. And for some people, I know that doesn't work. Like, for example, my wife, she would say, no, no, this doesn't make sense. Just tell me exactly what I need to go buy. I'll buy that, I'll bring it home, and I'll do it. Right. So I knew that was I knew that was going to be a problem from the outset. Plus, some of the recipes rely on those first items having been made. You know. So the right. idea is that if you some will call for that Portuguese spice blend, some will call for that sabalada, and all those all those items in the first part of the book they they preserve really well in the refrigerator or, or in a cupboard. And so I know it's somewhat reliant on 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 having some steps done ahead of time, but Part of me didn't want to water it down mm-hmm. by uh, by not sharing that very important component. I wanted people to be able to have the freedom to create their own food as mm-hmm. opposed to having to follow a, a rigid recipe. And and I knew that some, some folks I know I'm, I lost on that, and some folks I, I think maybe hopefully would be inspired by that idea of creating their own food. Now, all this being said, I think I don't really think any of the recipes in the book are outside the, your realm, Angela's or, or anybody's. Really, it's just that it's just that it 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 it's just that it might take a little bit more time. There might be some more steps. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, that was a really long story <laughs> to answer a simple question. But okay. but uh, I think if you want to do something super Portuguese and super easy, it would be our my uh, bacalhau gomes uh mm-hmm. dish. It's mm-hmm. it's easy. I, uh, I have instructions on how to soak the the cod. It's very Portuguese. Off the top of my head, the peri-peri chicken is something with that marinade is really, that marinade's awesome. And yeah. I give it a, a couple of use, different uses for the marinade, too. Yeah. And uh, it's great for as we get into the barbecue season. And I'm sure there's many more. I don't have the book right in front of me. So, But the truth is, I tried. I didn't really put anything in there that was too out there. Just some of them mm-hmm. take some steps because you have to have have to make the, the ingredients to go in there. Um but the, you know, what's interesting about the ingredients, I think if there's one item you're going to, that you should make in the whole book would be that uh, Portuguese spice blend. Yeah. And oh, okay. the story of that, the story of that Portuguese spice blend is really the story of La Salette entirely. I, when I was trying to decide what to do with the restaurant and the concept, and I wasn't secure calling Portuguese or the other way, I asked my mom to help me out with a linguisa recipe because I wanted to try to make my own linguisa. And she, put together the recipe for me. And th- that spice blend is the spices that were used to make the linguisa like we had back home in, in St. George. And from that spice blend is where I started to project out the style of cooking and including the cookbook, mm-hmm. where right now a little bit of that spice blend goes into the bread, for example, just enough that you can barely perceive it. And and a little and that spice blend of course goes into our homemade linguisa. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes into uh, a lot of our marinades, and uh, even some salad dressings and so on. And mm. that would be something in my mind if you want to at least for the flavors that I grew up with. If you make that, you can use that in a variety of different items, even to American yeah. and other other cuisines. So so people can make it or either buy it on your website. Let's give a little shameless plug for that, right? That's right. <laughs> oh yeah, no. My website, you can you can buy the spices. Yeah, you can buy the, yep. the cookbook. Of course, is on there too. But it's also so, on Amazon. I 
Yes, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, on it's, well. it's on Amazon too. And I um and I checked Amazon in Canada, and there's someone who's selling your book for over four hundred dollars. I just want you to let you know that on Amazon, <laughs> someone is trying to sell That's... your book for over four hundred dollars. Wow. All right. Let's hope yeah. it sells. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. But well, <laughs> I, you know, if, if if you go directly through my website, not the not the this Amazon. I'm grateful for what we sell there, but. Yeah. If you go directly to the website, it's a little bit cheaper. It looks a little bit more of a, a, a more affordable. And I think at thirty-eight dollars, I think it's a bargain anyway. But because right. we have a, a lot of recipes, the size of book a lot is of back, a, back absolutely. It's a yeah. hardcover. It's beautiful. Yeah. No, it's funny. I say that because every once in a while, I I, I wrote a I, I self-published a small book too, Azorian Cooking. And every once in a while, someone will tell me your book is selling on Amazon, and it's someone out in you know. Canada or someone out in France or New Britain or whatever it is and it's like three hundred dollars or a hundred and I'm like it's only twenty seven ninety nine or right. twenty one dollars why would anybody and who is this person selling it for this right. amount of money yeah. it's kind of funny how mm-hmm. that happens but I was just checking right. to see if it was yeah it was available in Canada for those people who will be listening to this in Canada but just go to his website. And what right. is your website, Manuel? It's uh, uh, com. And we'll have La that Salette info up also yeah. uh, after on our podcast so people can can uh, go on and, and yeah. see for themselves and order it themselves from you. That would be Thank awesome. Thank you. Yes. And, and, some, and something that I'll mention to you and to, and to all the whoever uh, listens in on the podcast is that I often get questions. Folks will send me an email about the recipes and the, and the and items in the cookbook, and I'm happy to answer them because I'm grateful that they bought the book. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like I said, it's not your everyday book where everything's super, super spelled out as we're used to. So I'm happy to, uh, to help out any time it's needed. Yeah, yes. no, as I, when I, I was talking to Maria about having you on the show, I said he's super, super nice guy. He's involved in the Portuguese Hall in Sausalito, just very down to earth. And we are so proud of everything you've accomplished, Manuel, and, and even more proud that you are just have stayed such a cool guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's so nice to hear. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm very proud of, of our Portuguese culture, and, and I've been doing my best in my own small way to, to spread it to anyone who would listen. And I'm just thrilled to what you guys are doing, and I'm I'm grateful that you included me in this. Oh, no, we're, we're so happy. So, yeah, we're happy to have you. Yep, yeah, and we are coming up on the hour, but I just wanted to mention one thing that that you talked about that I'm glad you brought up, which was that you can sort of create your own cozinha portuguesa in your own house by just using the right spices and things. Because, you know, people ask me, oh, do you cook Portuguese a lot? And I don't necessarily cook on a day-to-day basis recipes from a book, but in our day-to-day mm-hmm. use like ingredients, olive oil, paprika, garlic, um, rock salt, you know, some, you know, chili powder a little bit, bay leaf. I mean, we're, we use the, what I call the Portuguese staple and, uh, spices and ingredients all the time. Mm-hmm. So in a way, yeah, we, we cook Portuguese, right? We have the style of Portuguese, right. but That's right. do I make the bacalhau gomes asai every day or, uh, no, those take a little bit more effort, but on a day-to-day basis, I do like to, to say that yeah. we, we cook in the Portuguese style. So to your point, yeah. you know, just using those spice blends on a regular basis, I think, gives you those flavors that you long for yeah. <laughs> on a regular basis. Sure. I mean, it's one of those things. If you have a little bit of a spice blend, you have a linguiça, you know, in the freezer, in the, in the refrigerator, and you have some cheese laying around and some bread, 
and you just picked up something, some vegetables from the market, you're off to a really, really good Portuguese start. Yep. <laughs> yes. Isn't that the truth? Absolutely. Isn't that yeah. the truth? Well, we have come to the hour, and it wow. flew by. It flew I can't, by. I feel like we could talk for another hour, but I think that just means that we have to have you on again, Manuel, to talk, <laughs> continue the conversation. But thank you so much for your time. It was such a great show, and, and I learned a lot, and um, I hope our, our listeners did as well. Any... well. Thank you. Thank you to both of you. Thank you. Thank you again, Manuel. No problem. Sure, and, sure. and until next time, we're I'm going to have to, Maria, when we, when you come out, we are going to have to make a, a date. I, can't, I cannot wait to get Go out to there. Tashka. I really can't. Yeah. Uh, you may I, do a food tour for us, Manuel, and we'll have to visit all three places. Yeah. No, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> uh, yes, they're, they're not too far away. Just just let me know. It'll be my pleasure. We'll have some now, fun. Now, yesterday we, we spoke to Anna Ortiz. And... Uh -huh. yeah. uh, yeah, because she's out here uh, with – she's not that far from me. And I've met her a few times. She, I just love her. I think she's such a great person. Yeah. So we, I had told her, I said, oh, we have, you know, Manuel coming on. And she's like, Manuel. She goes, I think I'm going to go up there and visit him this year. She's like, I love him. So uh, we have a lot of people that love you out here, you know. Oh, you know, I love it out there. I've, had, I've only been out once. I stayed actually at uh, Anna's house. And uh, we, I met the folks out at a Tashka restaurant, uh, and I went out, went down to Portugalia. Oh, nice! Guys out. Nice. Yeah. No, just I really, uh, I really longed to go back. My uh, my wife uh, wanted to go to Boston for a long time, so it's on my list. It's just if I I need to stop opening restaurants and just relax a little bit. That's <laughs> yeah. <my> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, in true Portuguese uh, fashion, we're going to say goodbye for the third time. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Have a, have a wonderful rest of the day. Until next time. All right. Until next time, Juan. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So wasn't that awesome? Isn't he the greatest guy? Oh, my God. That was amazing. Amazing show. Yeah. And it went by so fast. It did. And, we don't even um, have to do any filler. We're just going to no. say thanks for listening. <laughs> Absolutely. He had so much to share, and I loved it. I loved it. Loved yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. So, well, so here I mean, we go. Here we go. Yeah. So thanks everybody again for listening and we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Chef Manuel Azevedo. If you are out in Sonoma, please check out one of his many restaurants. It's La Salette, which is right in the, the center square of Sonoma, uh, downtown Sonoma. There's Cafe Lucia and then Tashka Tashka coming in April. Awesome. So All right, folks. Till next, next time. Até a próxima. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até, Até a próxima! próxima.